Hello and welcome to part two of Additive Insights 2018 Retrospective. If you haven't listened to part one in which Laura Griffiths, Samuel Davis and myself Daniel O'Connor talk through the additive manufacturing happenings from January through June, then I suggest you go back and listen to that now. If you have, sit back and enjoy as Laura kicks us off part two with her talking points from July. So July, well, as we know, the summer months are always a little bit quieter. Um, I think, did we realise that July was the only month when none of us actually flew anywhere? Or is that... Is that... I mean, I flew, flew to Spain, but that was a holiday, so yeah, it doesn't really do count. It doesn't count. Um, so there was a story in July about Ehrlichon and Lufthansa teaming up to pursue additive manufacturing for aircraft, MROs, that's maintenance, repair and overhaul. Um, and it was something that I have kind of enjoyed learning more about this year. As you just mentioned, one of our most popular stories. Um, so um, there are a lot of major aerospace engineering companies adopting AM in, in some way, shape or form. And, and it totally makes sense when you think the, the lifespan of a typical commercial aircraft it's anything between like 20 and 30 years time. You only have to look at when you get in an aeroplane now and they've still got a cigarette lighter to charge your phone and you think that's how, that's how long this plane has, has been in service. So there are plenty of companies that are looking at additive to make um, replacement parts, to make lighter parts. Um, and that can go anything from someone like Airbus who are, are using a materialized um, certified additive manufacturing technology to print um, lightweight parts. For example, um, there's a spacer panel which is now um, located on um, one of the commercial aircraft. Um, and it's said to be one of the first 3D printed parts to be replaced in the cabin of an A320 um, family jetliner at Finnair. Um, so it's the kind of thing where you're not, you're not going to be able to tell that it's 3D printed. So when you're sat in a cabin, it's just going to look like any other part because it's all it's done to all the right standards. It just looks like a normal part. The finish is perfect. The, the paint's all perfect on it. It's just, it looks like a normal part, but it's um, it, it's it's averaging about 15% weight reduction compared to the original with this new sort of bionic additive design. So that's kind of one side of it. And then the other side that I was also quite interested in was um, talking to Big Rep who are working with Etihad Engineering. And they're not only just using it for things like you know, the, the kind of like prototypes and that, that type of stuff, they're also looking at taking it a step further and using additive manufacturing to make um, functional parts, so adding smart functionality into parts. Um, it's a little bit sort of like future facing at the minute, but they are experimenting with it right now. Um, so they're looking at sticking um, six axis robotics with 3D printing to kind of take an aerospace part and then to um, embed like sort of sensors, electronics, that kind of stuff in it to sort of add an, an extra layer of functionality within that. And I just think that's that's really, really cool. I, you know, I don't know that's that's like 10 years time, that's actually probably going to be happening, but just to see that they're actually trying that out now and I'm, I'm really looking at that as a, as a possibility, I just think is... Is, is really great and it was just it was just good this year to see quite a lot of aerospace companies coming out with their own stories about how they're all um they're using additive manufacturing for for similar things so yeah, it's been a, a good year for mro yeah and uh some, some <coughs> news on the etihad and big rep partnership mm. they've installed a big rep one and next year they'll install a big rep edge system which was launched at formnext i think and they've also partnered with uh, eos uh, to use their polymer technology initially um, with a view to using their metal stuff further down the road. Mm. I think that it, it's a really interesting case study, isn't it, MRO? I mean, it, even yourself when you're on a plane, these days I was recently on a plane and thought, they had these big bulky entertainment systems and thought, wow, like, 
Do you think that they saw the iPad coming? Like they didn't need to have these big, huge, and yeah. bulky installs on American Airlines with a giant box under my seat that I can't <laughs> put my feet through. So it's really important, isn't it, to to have that? Oh yeah, and and I I can't help but sit in a plane and look at things like that now. I mean, there was a guy sitting next to me on the plane last week, and he was like, "Is there really no USB port?" Like, no, mate, it's not. This plane's twenty years old. Um, and it, you know, you're right. It's just interesting now seeing areas where you think well, if, if they'd have actually known how technology was going to progress, like this, this would have looked so different. So yeah, I think it's going to be really cool when we actually, well, maybe we won't be able to tell because it's just going to look exactly the same on the outside, but it'll be cool to see in the future, like the fact that we're actually traveling with things that have actually been, um, been improved by additive manufacturing. Laura, you need to catch up here. Sam's winning 3-2, so yeah. I'm going to go with the quiz again. It was it. Was the most popular story that month? Mark Forge cleared over desktop metal IP infringement. Was it GE Additive launches manufacturing partner network, or was it Czar and Stratasys announce joint investments in new 3D printing company? Um, Mark Forged. Sam. Uh, I'm gonna go. Zara and Stratus. Oh, Sam's pulled two in the lead, what? and now Sam's four two. It was Zara and Stratus. Mark Forge actually the third most read story that month. Mm-hmm. I am um, not doing well. This is terrible. I want to say because because Sam is the busiest website of all. I should, us. yeah, I should, I should win this. To be fair, you should, Sam. You shouldn't say that, you know, but you are four two. <laughs> uh, we'll go on to August, Sam. Uh, surprisingly, for the summer, uh, actually a busy month. So. Uh, Stephen Nigro's departure from HP as president of 3D Printing was announced by the company CEO that month. Um, Valor 3D, as you mentioned before, um, came out of stealth, launched its flagship metal powder bed fusion system. Um, a company called Teflon 3D announced it is to develop a desktop DLP printer optimised for ceramic and metal resins. Lol's bot tricked everyone, but mainly you, Dan, that it was launching an SLA machine. <laughs> um, we announced the talk TCT Hall of Famers. Um, and that also meant that the TCT podcast returned. Um, but I want to talk about my personal favourite article that I wrote this year. Um, so way back in probably February, March, Dan told me to go and see uh, Leica's keynote at Rapid and um, do a bit of a catch-up on them. I think it had been five or so years since Paranormal was on the cover of the mag. Um, and so I did, and when I tried to speak to... Bram Klein, the director of Leica's rapid prototyping department, after his talk, he was swamped by about three dozen attendees who all had loads of questions, and after about 45 minutes, I just left him a business card. Um, and so eventually I got him on the phone after a few tries, a few months later, um, and it was probably the easiest interview I've ever done with anyone. got halfway through my first question, and he just butted in, answered, talked for about 40 minutes, took me through all five films they'd done, why they switched machines when they did, um, and he was really refreshingly honest. He went into details about how when using the Z-Corp uh, Z650 colour machine, um, this was the first time they were printing in colour. Um, so previously they would print faces and then colour them manually, but the their texture artists who had done the, the first film um, we're now doing it digitally rather than by hand um, and they had to trick the printer as Brian said to expand the colour capabilities into being more colour literate as he described it than it was and 
that saw them through Paranormal and Box Trolls released in 2012 and 2014, but then with Cuba and the Two Strings, which I think came out in 2016, um, the design of the faces were getting so detailed and intricate that they needed another change. Um, so I think this was the third time they'd gone from uh, Stratasys to 3D Systems, who acquired Z Corp and then back to Stratasys. Um, and he, he, was, he was honest, he said it was hell and back working with Z technology, and so they had to move to Polyjet. They kind of hit the ceiling, he said, of uh, Z technology. Um, so they've got a Connect 3 for Kubo, and now they're working with um, J750 um, for Missing Link, their next film, which comes out in spring. And all through this, I think they've used um, Polyjet technology for the internal head components, and he went through the loads in the presentation about how they're using all sorts of jigs, fixtures. Um, but just to put all that into some context, for Caroline in 2009, they printed 20,000 faces with Polyjet and hand printing. Um, Paranormal in 2012, they printed 40,000 faces with the Z-Print technology. Box Trials in 2014 was 56,000 faces, again with Z-Print. Kubo in 2016 was 64,000 printed faces with Polyjet. And the next film, Missing Link, um, they've achieved 102,000 3D printed faces um, printed with the J750. So that's from 20,000 20, in 2009 to 102,000 uh, printed faces within nine years. Which is quite impressive, I think. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> I'd recommend anyone to seek out the issue of the magazine. Mm-hmm. It's a great story by Sam and it's a lovely design by our designer, Matt. Yeah. Um, we, um, did you have to sign some kind of embargo to see the pictures of Missing Link as well? Was it that was, right? No, it was only... They could, at that time, so initially I wanted to cover Missing Link in more detail. They could only share one image. Um, I think they've probably released a few more now. Um, and I might phone them back to do a bit more on um, Missing Link because it sounded really good, and especially on the software side, it sounded particularly interesting. Um, but yeah, that should be... Have you, more about that. have you gone back and watched the films? I haven't. <laughs> have so seen, Kubo is great. I've not seen Kubo, I've seen Paranorman, I absolutely loved that film, it's so good. And on my next trip to America, I'll log into Netflix and have <laughs> a, a binge on all of them. So on to the quiz for August. Mm-hmm. Laura, you're in desperate need of a point here. Okay. It's me first as well, isn't it? Yeah. So Sam, was it Velo 3D launches high volume... Meta 3D printing system. Was it? And I'd like to put the question mark in that I put at the end of the question mark of this headline. Lulzbot to launch stereolithography system. Uh, because they didn't and they tricked me. Or was it uh, the ultimate printing machine? How BMW is applying 3D printing to commercial vehicles. I'm gonna say because I tweeted it every day for like a month. I think. That it's BMW, ultimate printing machine. I think it's BMW too. So, so the scores remain the same because it was BMW, so that's 5-3. The little spot story being one of many embarrassing predictions I've had this year. (laughs) So I predicted that Stefan was going to... That Stefan Rift, formerly of SLM Solutions, was going to AP Works very confidently announced that to everybody. Um, And he went to 3 Your Mind. But you did work that out, didn't you, not too long before... Didn't you get it right? No, somebody told me. Um, Obviously the Lulzbot one, and then uh, I think on Twitter the other week I said that MakerBot were launching, I reckon to MakerBot were launching a metal printer, so... You do redeem yourself on that last one, though. 
I think, don't you? Oh yeah, because of an article I wrote five years ago. Oh. So we'll get onto that. But... Yeah, we'll get on. We'll go on to that. Yeah. Um, so it's September now, and what's September mean? TCT show. My birthday. <clears throat> Sam's birthday as well. You don't like us knowing your birthday because you don't like us when we want to get your happy birthday sung to you at the uh, Hard Rock Cafe or wherever it was. It was TGI um, Friday. Yeah. Um, I won't go into too much detail about TCT show. If you want to listen to more detail about TCT show, you can listen to our podcasts about it. Um, but suffice to say that it wasn't the only show that we've launched this year. I'll use TCT as a conduit to talk about the other ones, such as. Um, 3D printing Tokyo in February, which ne- will now from this year be called, or from next year, sorry, will be called TCT Japan. We had TCT Asia again in uh, March. I missed my birthday, so I missed Valentine's Day for that. Then I missed my birthday for that. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't miss the birth of my child for Rapid Plus TCT. Uh, but then we had TCT Show, then we had TCT Korea, then we had the conference at Form next. Um, what's next? Japan. TCT Japan's coming back again, but I mean, it. The amount of events that we did have to go to. Korea? I did mention Korea. Okay. Uh, uh, Korea happened in October, um, so I'm strictly stepping out of my market in my months. But uh, TCT Korea was really interesting to see. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that Changwon, it would be a holiday destination of mine. It's a little <laughs> bit like the... Um, sorry to offend anybody here, but it's a little bit like the Coventry of um, South Korea in the, the manufacturing heart of... Changwon is very much alive and it's the best place for an additive manufacturing show to be. But TCT Korea, the event itself, there was some amazing technology on display there. Um, there was a company there called Dagon Tech who we know from previous TCT ages. They had small FDM printers. Well, they've actually done away with that and now they've launched a new brand called DeepEarth and under the DeepEarth umbrella, they have several metal 3D printer technologies. They have this really like impressive like conductive technology printer. Uh, but most impressive of all was a, a metal magnesium printer. Now magnesium, if you know from your chemistry lessons, it explodes. Um, and it's when I walked onto the stand, I saw a sign that said explosion proof, and I thought, um, I'm I'm not exactly reassured by that to be honest. But it turns out that the technology that they've built um, you know, is for 3D printing magnesium, which I heard at IMCS in September. Uh, Optimac had a press conference with a guy from Kansas University. He was talking about how magnesium implants are something, are a bit of a holy grail for the orthopedic surgeons because magnesium, they're able to dissolve in your body magnesium. So if you're a 10-year-old and you break a bone, or if you're a 34-year-old and you break a bone, <laughs> uh, what would happen is traditionally you'd get a metal implant and you'd have that metal implant in for the rest of your life unless you needed a secondary surgery to take it out. Metal implants can cause problems later on in life, um, certainly with arthritis. They can cause problems when the weather changes. Sometimes you might not be allowed through an airport scanner. So the way that they were doing it was to 3D print with magnesium using Optimex, Optimex system. And they could have it so that they would design it specifically for a 10-year-old whose bones regrow quickly uh, and it would disintegrate into the body. Or an 85-year-old, they just design it slightly different, they'd pack the material a bit more, uh, and if that, that part needs to stay in the body a lot longer. So m- magnesium was something that was a theme of those two months that was really coming out of it. So September's quiz. Yeah. Was it? TCT Show 2018, this year's must-see 3D printing technologies. Was it the 3D printing temporal illusion? 
or was it? Mm. HP launches Metaljet 3D printing technology and production systems. HP. Sam? I'm going... I'm going... Was Temporal Illusion your IMTS blog? It was. I'm going for that. Unfortunately, Sam, oh. you're wrong. Laura pulled one back and it's now 5-4 yes. um, to Sam. So, uh, yeah, that was good. Temporal Illusions was second. The TCT show was third. And we'll go on to October now. Oh, yeah. More holiday destinations. <laughs> I went to Israel, uh, which was an experience. Uh, but I went to Israel um, to see Axjet, who opened it. Added to manufacturing centre, um, which will house around 15 or so employees and seven or eight, I can't remember the number, Carmel systems. Um, and they'll be using that facility to develop and test applications for its customers and trial new ceramic and metal materials. And they're another company that's had a pretty productive year since the launch of their flagship products at Formix 2017. Um, they're up to seven customers in seven different countries. Um, they've secured two reseller agreements, um, one with Carfiland, who I went to see last week. They're a worldwide um, supplier of the Carmel Systems and um, UBA, AB Universal, sorry, in uh, Russia, who will be just distributing in that country alone. Um, and then at this year's fall next, they introduced a new ceramic material and stainless steel soluble solution. Um, soluble support solution, sorry, um, which Dan and I have both been privy to draw the nice magic show demonstrating <laughs> how that works. Um, and yeah, so gradually they're, they're, you know, they had the big launch. Um, I think they announced the technology maybe a year or two even before that. Um, and they're gradually adding the materials, the facilities, the means to sell the machine. And I suppose now we're just waiting to see what their customers can do with that technology really in the real world they've had a very good year next chat haven't they mm-hmm. that you were very impressed by the uh, the magic show weren't you Dan the uh, soluble support <laughs> I didn't expect to be in all honesty especially when um, Draw produced some kind of like Tupperware box <laughs> yeah. I thought what is this <laughs> possibly going to be yeah uh, but yeah metal soluble support um, could be really interesting for them yeah um, as you said you went to see that demonstration again at the Carfalan Group mm-hmm. in Derby last week. It's yeah. interesting to, to see that they've. It's nice to see that they've got a base in the UK and to mm-hmm. see that they feel like the UK is an important market, yeah. especially with what's going on in the world at the moment. Where we, <laughs> we might not be an important market for anyone. No. We'll go on to the. Should we go on to the October quiz? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Laura, can you tie this to tie this up? We'll see. And it's Sam's go first. So was it? Airbus helicopters produce new step to change design with German reprap. Was it? We should be launching new materials by the week. BASF hopes to inspire increased production in 3D printing space. Or was it? Carpenter Technology acquires LPW Technology. Uh, what was the first one again? Airbus helicopters produce new step d- design with German rep wrap. I feel like Laura's got a fair idea which one it is. I'm gonna say. I don't. I'm just dancing. Carpenter. She's got you on the rope, Sam. She has. Laura, what are you gonna say? <laughs> Carpenter. I don't have a very good poker face. <laughs> yes, it was indeed Carpenter. <laughs> um, so that makes the score six five in October. 
that means we've got two months going. Can you win it, Laura? Um, so, but on to November anyway. Oh, she's got to win the next one because otherwise I'm just going to tie it. Oh no, I've got to do that. I can do that next one. No, that's right. I've got to do that. If this was a maths quiz, you would have lost. <laughs> that's true. I'm deducting a point there, Sam, for that. <laughs> So November, Laura, what happened in November? Well, I want to touch on a little comment you just made then about UK manufacturing because, of course, it's November, we're going to have to talk about form knits, but um, I went to an event at the very start of, of November, which was at the, the Manufacturing Technology Centre in lovely Coventry. Okay, sorry. Um, and it was basically um, a year on from the start of the Made Smarter Initiative, which is a, a government commission review on industrial dig- digitalisation in the UK. Um, so I just went to, to see where they were up to. Um, and it started off pretty well, actually, because it was on the same day that the government promised another £121 million investment into the initiative. So as you can imagine, that was met um, pretty positively um, by the UK's manufacturing community who turned out to the event. Um, and speaking at the event, was um, Jürgen Meyer who is um, Siemens Chief Executive for the UK and he's kind of um, like spearheading the programme and just touching again on what, what you said there about it's these sort of uncertain times that we're in in the UK at the minute he actually had a bit of a, of a different take and I guess he's got to put a positive spin in it in the end anyway but he said that he feels like Brexit has kind of lit the fire under the UK manufacturing community because they've kind of realised we're just going to have to do something. We're just going to have to be active. We can't just sit down and expect things to, to get better because they're not going to. We need to actually wake up and adopt things like additive manufacturing, connectivity, robotics, automation, all that kind of stuff in order to have any sort of chance of being of any value to, to, to anyone. So it was all about that. And to be honest, the whole atmosphere from that day was actually pretty positive. Um, you know, it wasn't just about it wasn't just about the actual technology side of it, because of course that's all very very important, and the initiative is, is split into all those different te- um, categories I've just mentioned. It was also about how people are going to be a really important part of that too, because it's all for own well saying that we want to adopt all these technologies, but you need the right people with the right skills, and you also need to not forget about the people that already work in these um, like factories and different organisations. They need to be given the opportunity to be trained up on these digital skills too. So it was just, I, I, I really enjoyed just getting an overview of that because it was it was good to hear how, you know, some UK companies are, are looking to, to tackle those changes. And um, then, of course, we went to Fall Next a few weeks later. Do you want to touch on that? Uh, yeah, just to touch on the, the UK side of things again. And obviously tomorrow, Laurie, you're going to um, Siemens New Materials Solution Centre. So it's obviously Jäger Meyer's company. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, was it today that GKN announced something or the day before? Oh. Week ago, maybe. No, was that the, week before? They had their Global Technology Centre, which is additive manufacturing advanced composites um, industry 4.0, which is opening in 2020, I think. It's a £32 million facility. Um, had Greg, Greg Clark there, the Secretary of State for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, um, to open it or announce it rather. Um, yeah, so there are things happening, at least in this country. As, as much as um, you know, there's a, there's a big worry about the country, does, and as much as the industrial strategy last year, mm. there was a lot of criticism of it from inside the additive manufacturing industry. It does seem like from the, just these few things that there is there is something bubbling under, as you said, Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was quite interesting at that event as well to hear how other countries look at manufacturing too. So you've got somewhere like, um, like hang on, is it Switzerland? Let me just double check one second. Hang on, <clears throat> hang on. Because this one's actually interesting. Yeah, 
it was actually interesting at that event to hear how other countries are, are tackling um, the manufacturing um, sector too because um, there wasn't just UK businesses talking there, there was also people from um, like just all over the globe um, and of course we were we were sat there because we were made up that our government decided to invest like £100 million into in the manufacturing sector whereas we had, some, um, we had a speaker from Switzerland who was saying how they don't really wait for government to kind of help them back things it's all very much like these small often family-owned businesses and then they kind of just like work as hard as possible to you know to kind of um invest in in these technologies and and sort of build themselves up they don't they don't really rely on government to kind of help it so it was interesting to think that we probably are relying on 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 that as well so it was just it, it was just great to hear how other people are doing it and just found it really interesting just to see that they obviously do really really well um, and hopefully we'll be able to take a little bit of that learning too. If today is anything to go by, um, we're recording this on the day that Theresa May has received a vote no confidence, we should not be relying on the government <laughs> for much. Thanks Sam. Sorry. Thanks for that cheery Christmas <laughs> passage Sam. Um, so on to form next. Whew. Where do we even start with form next? So with Fornix, as we've kind of mentioned a few of these already, so of course Dan had X1 earlier on and um, Stratasys showed a little bit more of the metal technology but also had other things to show as well in terms of uh, materials. And then we also had uh, 3D Systems um, officially launch um, some his new metal 3D printers uh, and materials. Um, Arberg debuted another bigger freeformer technology. Um, Dimension also presented a new um, post-processing technology too. Um, it was interesting because at Formnex it's so hard to get around everything and it's it's often very hard to like dig out the, the good stuff because it's such a noisy show and what did we count like 35 press conferences something like that we all managed to go to. Um, so and it is the kind of place as well where you know because everyone wants to they want to use that as their platform to launch something that people might launch something that's only really really small and it doesn't necessarily get it doesn't get as, as much as much attention as maybe like a massive machine um but it was good to see this year how like some companies they weren't just rushing to get some technology out and launch it just for the sake of having a you know a, a massive um, crowd to, to see it at a debut or something like um trump who have made such a you know, they, they just grow and grow every single form next show and they've always kind of used the event as the launch pad for, for new technology but um, this year they didn't actually have like a, a new machine to show, it's just kind of incremental developments on top of um, the Trueprint 5000 which is the kind of big um, smart factory facing um, additive technology um, but they had other innovations which weren't necessarily in a, in a commercial machine but they had this kind of cool um, green laser additive technology which is making it possible to use um, to print with materials that otherwise were really difficult to print with so like um, copper and precious metals, things like that and then, of course, as I mentioned, um, Stratasys launching um, different materials and other people focusing on things like software and post-processing. It was just, um, it was just good to see those other types of technologies, which might sometimes go unnoticed, actually getting a bit more of the limelight this time around. I thought, on that note, one of the press conferences that I went to was um, MachineWorks Polygonica, mm-hmm. and it's difficult to get your head around MachineWorks Polygonica, the MachineWorks, this big company in the CNC uh, and the machining com- um, world, but. Uh, they've been making quite a lot of noise and additive. They obviously won the software award at TCT Awards last year. But what I was really surprised about when I went to their press conference is that um, they estimate that a third of all OEMs use some machine works polygonic software. Mm. 
within their machine. So Renishaw and Renishaw say that they do. Um, I don't have to double check this, but Desktop Metal say they do. It, it really interested me to see, just to think about all of these little different aspects that go into the machines. So who makes the lasers? Who makes the stepper motors? Who makes the, the you know, the the ball bearings? It's, there are all these companies who are involved in the additive manufacturing world that one day I think we'll get around to doing a piece on. I tried to do a some of its parts piece last mm-hmm. year, but it was more on the desktop side of it. I am interested to see the developments of these companies like Polygonica, who are actually a company that they they they're at a trade show, they're showing to the public, and you can get some of their software as a public member. But they're more interested in speaking to the machine manufacturers yeah. around them. It's a, it's an interesting dynamic that happens at a trade show. Sam, what was your highlight from Form Next? Um, I'll get on to my highlight in a minute. I just want to pick up on something Laura said. Um, she mentioned that you know most of these companies who have a press conference use Formex as a launch pad, and this year we saw a couple of companies who announced things a few days before. So EOS came out with Laser Pro Fusion, um, a new 3D printing technology for polymers, which has, um, they say, nearly a million diode laser melting um, materials to build parts layer by layer. Um, and that's they're marketing that as an alternative to injection molding, and then um, we had a company called Origin who were so in stealth that nobody knew they were in stealth. Um, a few days, who just got in touch with me and said they were launching, and they're a San Francisco-based startup um, established by two software engineers who were previously at Apple and Google, um, and I think it's. Um, an SLA technology and it's modular hard hardware with an extensive materials network so they as they launched announced that their first partner was BASF who had on their stand some sample parts printed in a photopolymer and they had different um, services on each side I, and you I, could, was, I was playing with them quite a lot those parts yeah. in our little in the TCT office yeah you could screw them together and stuff like that um, and so they, they want to take a collaborative approach to enable volume additive manufacturing they don't want to disrupt the market. They want to kind of share the pie or something, they said. Um, and I think they said that there's more details to come in the new year, um, if not before then. Um, my highlight was probably meeting Avi Reichenthal and doing a catch-up piece with him. Um, we spoke about democratisation, education, the con- consumer market, Industry 4.0, which his work now of exponential work is more geared towards. Um, I found that really interesting, and he was... Really honest, he was, you know, especially with the consumer stuff um, and the democratisation and education and the consumer market all tied together. Um, I've written an article about that, I think that's going out in the first issue of next year. We were discussing off air just before we came on. Um, so I think that's probably my highlight. I think um, there's one thing to be said about Avi Reconciles, he's a very, very engaging man. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, when I met him at CES that year, that they had Will I Am there, um, you know, he showed me some things, and I, I believed everything he said, and perhaps, maybe he was a little bit ahead of his time in that regard. But I think the three D printer in every home stuff. I think you said these. He'll admit that he was pretty wrong about that. Yeah, he does. I mean, it wasn't just a three D printer in every home. When I think about it, it was a three D printer in every room. <laughs> Although I think you wrote, I can't remember when you wrote it. I've read it when I was doing my research. So I wrote, read something that you wrote, and you made the point that although that kind of hype was that it was hype it's it's kind of put 3d printing out there and maybe that has a benefit with 
the amount of companies and industrial players who are adopting it. I could, I'd agree with that, and I yeah. think I think we've all kind of spoke about that as and Dan uses it as one of his. Did you say your sixty second questions or something? Has hype helped open three D printing up to the boardroom? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a generic question I tend to ask people when we're a little bit stuck, that Laura. <laughs> um, but it has. I think it's because I've heard that quote before. People saying that you know we'll a lot of the times now it comes from the top down mm-hmm. previously additive manufacturing has been in a an engineer or a hobbyist trying to push it to the top of saying we we should be using this technology but the hype may have caused some issues in terms of expectations from the board level but it also opened their eyes to it we'll go on to the november quiz it is currently the scores are currently six five to sam so what five four isn't it no it's six five sam you both got the last one right no, but nobody got the first one right, so how can it be six? Oh, there's twelve months. Again, my maths, Christ. Yeah. Hang on, what is it then? Six the five. score is currently 6-5 six, six, five five to okay. Sam. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so, in November, Laura, you need this. Although, yeah. do you need this because... I'm not going to do it. I promise I'm going to do it differently. <laughs> well, you don't, you, you don't know what's coming in December, Sam. Who says that the same format is coming in December? Oh. Uh, <clears throat> So in November, was the most read story on tctmagazine.com, HP and Amter's Custom Application Partnership Development, Stratus unveils more metals on layer, layered powder metal. <laughs> Stratus unveils more details on layered powder metallurgy metal 3D printing, or was it GE Aviation to install additive manufacturing brackets on Gen X commercial airline engine? Who's first? Laura. I'm going to say Stratasys for that one. I'm going to say GE. Sam has raced away into a 7-5 lead, Laura. What? But there is still... I think Sam can see. <laughs> you can see my laptop. There's still a, uh, there is still potential to pull it back, don't worry. Uh, we'll move on to December. Uh, I'm going to steal a little bit of Laura's funder, but I would like Laura to talk to me a little bit about her little recent trip to Makerbot in Brooklyn and tell me about the view mainly in the office. Oh, the view. Oh, the view. I always say this. Every time I go to someone else's office, I just get terrible office envy because... Well, I think you'll find out of our window, Laura, I can see... There's some a, bins. A bin. <laughs> <laughs> you can see a nice Christmas tree in that um, one over there. Well, um, theirs is a little different. Um, so it's just all of the wonderful uh, Manhattan skyline, which is just absolutely breathtaking. Um... Yeah, so visit to MakerBot last week to see their new 3D printer. And like Dan, I'd kind of thought, oh, what could it actually be? Metals did cross my mind, but I thought, is it just going to be like a bigger printer? Is it going to be more on the industrial side? And I was edging more towards industrial. What they've launched is something that they say is pretty much, it fits pretty much in between desktop and industrial. And, And in that sense, I'm taking desktop as more of like the consumer side of things then because... I feel like in recent, the last year or so, desktop hasn't necessarily been in that space. We have seen it used in, in industrial sectors, so I feel like it wouldn't be right to say that it's one or the other. Um, so it fits right in the middle, and they're calling us a new category of printers and performance printers. Um, so it is, it is aimed at um, industrial professional users. Um, it's it's faster. It, the idea is to get um, you get you from design to to print um, just much faster than before um 
it's just it's a really well built machine. It's it's really it's 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 solid. I mean, they the guys said there that if um they were going to get an engineer to stand on top of the machine just to prove how sturdy it actually is, and it was. They gave it a good shake. Um, so um, yeah, so it was just it, it was really cool to see it. The parts were actually really impressive off it. So um, it's of course an FDM machine like uh, other um makeup machines, um, but it's just the smoothness of the layers is is just it it is amazing, and a lot of that is down to this um soluble um support system so it's a it's a dual extrusion system um you can you can use it just like single extrusion but if you're going to use it for, for supports as well you can use um soluble support filament which basically means it opens you up to much more complex geometries than, than previously possible um and that also means which that i thought was really cool was that um for the sake of a, a product designer who wants to get the um the part prototype really quickly um you can kind of um nest all these parts from um you know say i don't know there's the example of um of a computer mouse which they have there you could nest all the possible parts um from a computer mouse all in one use the soluble supports and it just prints out there and it's all really easy just to wash the supports away and break it off and then assemble that together which i just thought was was really cool the software is actually really intuitive too so um, it just does a lot of it itself I mean if you want to kind of faff around with it you can do but it's kind of taking out this this no, no nonsense no force you just um, you, you just want to get your part out there really so it's it's. I, I was actually really really impressed by it it's it wasn't it's, it's not a huge like step change I wouldn't say because it, it's still a desktop machine but that's the beauty of what MakerBot is that's what they're known for they, they they've they've built themselves um i don't i don't want to say that actually um you know it's, it's taking the simplicity and accessibility of of makerbot and kind of adding those industrial features that it's learned from like it's it's now parent company i guess stratasys so yeah it's um it's a really impressive machine but i know that dan's got a few comments from a few observations that you made no so i uh when i took a look at that machine just the press release basically and from what laura said uh i remember that five years ago when in August, when uh, August two thousand and thirteen, when Stratus did acquire Makerbot, uh, I took a look at some of the patents that they might, some of the Stratus own patents that Makerbot might work with. Uh, I just want to read you a little comment that I made on this piece, which was: whatever Makerbot do or do not take on board from Stratus, you can be sure that their next printer will be a huge leap for desktop three D printing. Stratus have over twenty years of expertise in the arena, and that added to Makerbot standing in the consumer market makes this a match made in heaven but a match made in hell for the composition. Now that proved to be, like other predictions of mine, absolutely wrong. Uh, Makerbot's next machine after that time period was probably the one of the replicators with um, that was plagued with difficulties, um, particularly within the extruder head. Um, but f from what Laura tells me, um, and from what we've seen in the press release, it does appear that they have started to finally take on board some of what Stratus were doing. So, for instance, um, Stratus had the patent at the time for high-temperature mod modelling apparatus, which is basically a heated chamber. That's been installed on this new method machine. Um, a filament container and methods of use thereof, which is, I believe, they've got a dry compartment for their material. Yeah, and there's, like, moisture sensors built around it, so you make sure your, your filament's protected. It's, it, yeah. So that's another one that they've taken on, and... Um, soluble material and the process of three-dimensional modeling so these are all learnings that they've taken from Strastis and we're finally applying them to the printer i think the point's been made on social media that um is this too little too late in terms of where the brand has gone mm. but i do think that 
it doesn't matter if the if a machine like we talked about earlier is reliable and it works, then I think people will come back to it. I think MakerBot's problem is a little bit that it started out as this, you know, like real maker, yeah. like hipster Brooklyn company who were like making machines for the people. Uh, their first machine was called the Cupcake. They that like we talked with Avi Reichenthal, that step change to that to 3D printing their home never really materialised. Or certainly never materialised in the way that they envisioned it. Personally I don't think they could ever get the the mach- machinery down cheap enough to be in the home for it to be reliable enough. Like if you were to take this machine that they've launched now and stick it out there for five hundred dollars then it would be a different kettle of fish. It'd be everybody'd have one. Yeah. But it seems like that they have decided Here's a route to industry. This is what we'll do. I think there was a little bit of a hole in Stratasys' portfolio left by the U-Print and the Mojo machine for this kind of like level of price range of 3D printers. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, let's face it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I am happy, actually, that they've come out and launched a new machine because I think people felt like NakedBot was on its knees almost. It's uh, There was so much. I remember CES, they are like doing things with Sesame Street and... Uh, it, 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 that, that kind of side of things never materialised so I'm glad to see that the community is still alive and MakerBot can still push on and hopefully it'll be a great comeback story mm-hmm. so to round this off because it's only December the what 12th yeah. I didn't do the most read stories this month done I have day. done the most read stories on TCT magazine this year Okay. So take into account that you know the you know evergreen content might get longer things, but I'm going to give you the top the three, and you need to get it in order oh. um, for every. So there are three points to score here. So Laurie, you could win, you could still win this. Um, so what's the story of the year on TCTMagazine.com? HP launches metal 3D printing technology and production service. Was it how 3D printing is shaping the future of aircraft maintenance, repair and overhaul? Or was it introducing Iro 3D desktop metal 3D Ooh. printer? Ooh, so okay. give us those in order. Um, Sam, come on, let's give me your order of that. Uh, you're writing it down furiously like you're on question of sport. Yeah. I've gone Iro 3D HP MRO. Okay. I've gone HP Iro MRO. So Sam has gone Iro. Yeah. Bear in mind that was published in January and it did quite well. Oh, Sam's thought about this. Uh, Iro, who did you go with? HP. HP. And... MRO. MRO. And Laura went with... Um, HP, Iro, MRO. HP. Well, unfortunately, Laura, I hate to tell you this, but you scored no points there. What? Uh, <laughs> you've got the order precisely the wrong way round. Oh. And Sam... You got one point. Because Iro was the most read story this oh, year. Really? Iro 3D. So it went Iro, um, MRO, HP. Mm. So that leaves the scores at Sam 8, Laura 5. Oh. Uh, so, so Sam is the winner and gets absolutely nothing for it other than kudos, other than the fact that he's doing his job properly. Bragging rights, yeah, that's so. it. So I think we'll leave it there. There is going to be plenty more to come from us in 2019 yeah. through this medium of podcast, through the Additive Insights. Uh, I wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. 
Uh, does everybody echo those sentiments Merry or do you Christmas. not want anybody to have a nice Christmas? No, I ha- you can have a Merry have a Christmas. Christmas. Uh, thanks for listening and speak to you again in the new year. So.